Amen. Thank you. I feel like a downer after that. As we get ready for Christmas, we are looking at having an attitude of gratitude. This week, we are looking at being grateful for our ability to change. Now, humans usually go to extreme lengths to avoid the need to change. So why should we be grateful for our ability to change? Well, most of you know that I am a card-carrying member of both the geeks and the nerds. And if you have a strong opinion on the difference between those two, you probably are as well. You may have picked up uh, from some of my high school stories that I also used to have a rather severe superiority complex. Uh, complex. Not, not an inferiority complex, a superiority complex. I went out of my way to let people know that I was smarter than them. And so Becca and I joke that if, if we had met while I was in high school, uh, she would have hated me. It, it's a good thing that we didn't meet until after college and I had mellowed out a little bit. I'm glad. I was able to change. It was a good thing. Even if you somehow proved to me that God doesn't exist, I would still be grateful for that life change. Life is better this way. Now, many people think that following Jesus means you have to, to give up a bunch of stuff, but I see it differently. I look at everything I've changed in my life because of my faith, and I, and I think I've, I've traded up. I didn't like, you know, take my old my sports car and, and trade it in for like a reliable but boring station wagon. I think I traded in for a newer model. So this week we are we are looking at how we can be grateful for how following Jesus has made uh, our lives different in a good way. Many of the letters in the New Testament are about Paul or Peter or someone else encouraging the members of the church to change their lives in light of their faith in Jesus. Our text today is from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Listen for Paul's attitude of gratitude and his encouragement for the church to choose a better way of living in the name of Christ. Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord, so thanks be to God. Well, when Becca and I started dating, I had another fortunate coincidence. For the first year we were dating, the University of Texas Longhorns did not lose a single game. We won one of the greatest games in college football history against Southern Cal to win the national title. Good times. And that was a fortunate coincidence because my dad, my brother, and I become well and truly grumpy whenever the Longhorns lose. So I got a full year of reprieve from her seeing that. And actually, though, I'm giving my family too much credit. We're grumpy when a single play goes badly. 
Even if we're winning, my dad once complained. We were up 56 to zero in the third string defense, gave up a touchdown to Rice, and my dad complained, oh, we just lost the shutout. That is our mentality. And if that bad play is because these 18 to 22 year olds had like a mental mistake, oh my goodness, whole day ruined. And so it's a good thing that Becca and I didn't meet in high school. It's also a good thing that we started dating during Texas's national championship season. The Angels were on my side. And a week ago, my Longhorns were playing for the conference championship against the godless heathens known as the Oklahoma Sooners. And so you know where I was Saturday at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, not watching the game. Because I expected us to lose, and we did. And I knew that I would just be grumpy all day if I watched us lose. So I just tracked the score online and therefore only became slightly perturbed when we lost. Now, I still care. Don't get me wrong. But I am a better person to be around if I'm not watching the game live. Paul writes in our text today that he is praying for the church in Philippi to be filled with love and joy. Watching the Longhorns lose does not fill me with love and joy. Watching them win doesn't even usually fill me with love and joy. And so I rarely watch a game live anymore. And frankly, I'm better off and my family is better off because of it. Now I still track the score. I know all the players' names. I know who's good and who's not. But now my attitude on Saturday isn't determined by the athletic performance of 18 to 22 year olds 1,000 miles away. Before I became a pastor uh, and moved to Pennsylvania, I had been to just about every home football game since the time I was one year old. And my dad made sure that we stayed the whole game every time so that we could put our horns up and sing the eyes of Texas at the end of the game, win or lose. Longhorn football wasn't just like a habit or a ritual. It was an obligation. Except that it wasn't. I could change it anytime, right? I, I could choose to do more of the things that fill me with love and joy as Paul prayed for the church in Philippi and do less of the things that drain me of my love and joy at any time. Did you know you can do that too? You can choose to do more of those things that fill you with love and joy, do less of the things that drain you of your love and joy, even if it feels like habit, even if it feels like ritual, even if it feels like obligation. You might have more choices than you think. Now, sometimes choices have consequences, but you have choices. We can be grateful for the ability to change, to choose to do more of those things that fill us with love and joy and less of the things that drain us. That is good news. So what fills you with love and joy? How can you do more of those things? What drains you of your love and joy? What leaves you well and truly grumpy? How can you do less of those things, even if they feel like obligations? Just last week, actually, a nine-year-old boy in Severance, Colorado, made a choice to help his community be filled with love and joy. For the last 100 years, it has been illegal to have a snowball fight within the city limits of Severance, Colorado, because they are classified as missiles. Being a law-abiding citizen, but also enjoying snowball fights, Dane Best took the matter before the city council. Today's kids need reasons to play outside, Best said. Research suggests that a lack of exposure to the outdoors can lead to obesity, ADHD, anxiety, and depression. He was ready. Now he had to agree that snowballs shouldn't have rocks in them, 
Snowball shouldn't be targeted at windows. And they suggested anyone over the age of 65 may not appreciate a snowball. But then the town voted unanimously to reclassify snowballs and end the century-old ban. Dane was given the honor of throwing the first legal snowball in 100 years. The second throw went to his younger brother, Dax, who was later identified as Dane's preferred target in the snowball fight. Well, they may, they may seem like a silly example of change, but, but Dane Best wanted a better community, and he was willing to work to make it happen. He wanted joy and love and fun outdoors in the winter, and he chose, rather than just complaining about the rule or trying to do it and not get caught, he chose to try to change the rule, to invest in it instead of complaining about it. We can choose to invest in a better community. We can help our community change and be better, to have more love and joy, as Paul prayed for the church in Philippi. Many of you know that the apartment complex just up the road from us uh, just had another fire uh, on, on the other wing, and it displaced over 100 seniors. And they just found out uh, just a few days ago that the building has been declared uninhabitable. They have no homes. Partners that we have uh, also just up the road at Love in the Name of Christ or Love, Inc., uh, they are coordinating efforts to help. Our mission committee has sent some funds. Our deacons sent King Super's gift cards so people could get food. Uh, we, I know some people who have volunteered from our church. One of our youth, Ella, is collecting donations for the cause later today. They did all this because they wanted the community to be better. There is no like city-approved formal plan for what to do to house these people displaced by the fire. Now, we could say, Oh, that's a shame. Or we could say, what can I do to help? Whether that's physical help or counseling help or just helping people wade through insurance claims. You know how annoying that is. Imagine doing that without a home or any of your stuff. What kind of community do we want to live in? How can we choose to help that happen? Now, that's going to be harder than getting snowball fights approved. But how can you invest in a better community, at a community that experiences the love and joy as Paul prayed for that church in Philippi. If God is calling you to help with that particular situation, I think we have the, the contact number for Love, Inc. is in your bulletin or in the insert. Pitch in. Lend a neighborly hand. These aren't like figurative neighbors. They're literal neighbors just up the street. We can choose to have a better community and be grateful for that ability to change. We heard in our first text that John the Baptist came proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And, and then we saw this quote from Isaiah at the end. It said, all flesh shall see the, the salvation of God. That's an interesting pairing to me. It's interesting because when you hear the word repentance, what comes to mind? I think for many people, we picture kind of like a fire and brimstone sermon, right? A turn or burn. The word repentance often conjures fear. But here in the Gospel of Luke, it's not focusing on fear. It is focusing on joy. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain shall be made low. The crooked paths shall be made straight. The rough ways smooth. All flesh shall see the, the salvation of God. That is good news. 
Do you want the, the obstacles in your way to be removed? Do you want the twists and turns that take you away from where you're going to be straightened out? This is like getting a tunnel through the mountains on I-70 instead of having to wind around, getting the straight tunnel through. So reading this, I think another choice we have, another way we can choose to change is to choose a different attitude. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be guilty. We don't have to be grumpy. We don't have to be self-absorbed. Instead, Paul writes to the church in Philippi to be filled with insight, to be pure, to be filled with praise for God, to hold each other in our hearts, to show compassion. These are the attitudes Paul encourages. We can choose a different attitude. Our attitude can change. That is also something to be grateful for. I remember at one of my previous churches, there was a woman in one of uh, my small groups. She was, she was volunteering at the church. She uh, did a lot of other good stuff at other nonprofits, but in her personal life was a little more self-absorbed. Kind of out of the blue, in the middle of one of our small group meetings, everything just kind of clicked for her. And she realized that her faith could be more than just serving a bunch of people. It could transform her inner attitudes as well. And that would actually be an improvement for her. And, and very quickly, she actually did change. She didn't have one of those like dramatic drug addict to, you know, saint kind of transformation. She was a fine person before. But then she became a really deep follower of Jesus because it moved inside. And that wasn't a loss for her. It was a gain. So what inner attitudes could be transformed by your faith in Jesus? Where have you maybe been a little self-absorbed or maybe a little bit grumpy or maybe felt afraid or, or guilty and that was motivating you? Choose a different attitude in the name of Jesus Christ and that will be good news for you. Sisters and brothers, Jesus doesn't want to just like nag us into change. Jesus is offering us a better way forward. Maybe that's doing more of the things that fill you with love and joy and doing less of the things that drain you. Maybe that's choosing to have a better, more loving and joyful community. Maybe that's choosing an inner attitude that is more loving and joyful. Those are not changes to fear. Those are not changes to avoid. They are changes to embrace. They are reasons to be grateful. What change could make your life better in the name of Jesus Christ? Amen.